Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Wherever you are in the world, whether you're joining us now, live, or later, I welcome you with big open arms to the show where we dive deep into people's story of their hunger for the hustle and figure out more about their stories of struggles to success in the world of business and entrepreneurship. Today's guest joins me live from San Francisco. Hillman Saray has a 20-year track record of impressive revenue growth at companies ranging from startup to Fortune 500. He has made himself a sort, made himself one of the most sought-after, fastest-growing companies in the world, and is recognised as a bestseller of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, not even five, six books. And we'll get talking about that. Hillman, how are you today, sir? I am fantastic. I have to tell you, Jake, something funny. I did not realize this was your episode number 23. I'm, I'm originally from Chicago, since you mentioned the books, which I really appreciate. I'm originally from Chicago, and I'm not sure, you know, what familiarity you have, you know, in Australia with the Chicago Bulls. I think they were pretty, pretty, pretty well known worldwide when they were doing well. Well, number 23 was Michael Jordan, who, of course, was my favorite among many others. And here's the funny thing. In every single one of my books, there is some allusion to Michael Jordan or the Chicago Bulls, sometimes more deliberate than otherwise that people have picked up on. And you're the third show where I have either been guest number 23 or 45, which are the numbers that he wore. So there must be something to it. It's, <laughs> it's the law of attraction in action, right? It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not coincidence. It's not by chance. It was meant to be. I agree. I agree. Love it. Well, thank you for so, having I'm, me. I'm happy to be here. It's my absolute pleasure to have you here. And I know you've got a, an exciting story um, and one that I think our audience will really value because you've been in business for a long time. And not only have you been in business, but you've been helping other businesses grow, learn how to grow, and more importantly, learn how to scale. Now, you own a, own a business called Close Loop, right? Can you tell, um, tell me a, bit, a little bit more about what Close Loop does and, and how it helps other businesses? Yeah, sure. So Closed Loop, we're based here in San Francisco, and we have an office in um, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa as well. What we do is threefold. There are three portions to Closed Loop. There's Closed Loop University, which is a place that people can go online, either as individuals or as business owners, to go get really high-quality training on sales, sales management, coaching, and how to ramp up the revenue function of your organization from the vantage point of leveraging technology, of leveraging all of the best practices that some of the top companies in the world are using today. So that's Closed Loop University. We also have Closed Loop Capital. Closed Loop Capital invests in seed stage companies, usually technology companies. We have a bent towards uh, companies that are really shifting the, the and, and disrupting specific economies and disrupting industries to help them from their original concept after they've got their product all developed and they're like, oh my gosh, is my shiny baby interesting to anybody else? We help them <laughs> find out and prove that out by developing go-to-market strategy and helping those companies scale to where they can get uh, follow-on investments and greater opportunity for market. And then, you know, the core of Closed Loop really is a management consultancy. And we work with companies that range from some household names that you'd probably know pretty well um, to some startup organizations that are just really fast growing and have been funded by venture capital. And we help them um, with all of the same things that we do with small businesses, except at a greater scale. We help them grow sales teams. We help them develop their sell selling methodology. We help them coach and um, retain their talent. We help them manage 
uh, more effectively towards their metrics and their goals and ultimately towards having a, a greater impact on their growth and their success as organizations. That's fantastic. I like the way you've got the magic number three in there as the three elements to the business, the trifecta, right? The, yeah. the, triangle, the triangle, the strongest shape in, in the universe. Well, it's funny because our selling methodology is called triangle selling for that reason as well. So I, I'm big on threes. I'm all also Hillman Sorry the third. So that it may have something to do oh, with really? it. Yeah. It's all coming together really nicely today for us. Well, in fact, yeah. yeah now, I'm going to ask, I want to ask, you know, like I usually do, it tells our audience where you got started. Where did the idea business? Where did the idea for the business come from, and how did you get started? But I'd also like to add to that, and I know you've got three parts to it now. Was that always the intention to have the three parts, or did yeah. they kind of develop as you went on? Never, you know, nothing ever turns out as intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with the flow, man. So yeah. um, th this business had had interesting um, interesting origins. I had been working as a sales trainer for another organization, a, a global organization for about eight, 10 years. And I had had a lot of experience in that space. Um, there were some things that personally I was finding I was having to make lots of adjustments because the training methodology was fairly old. It, was, it had been invented in the 60s and 70s and, you know, little things bolted onto it since then. But if you can imagine like taking, there were some beautiful cars made in the 60s and 70s, some that I actually prefer to today's cars. But, you know, they're not quite as fast. They're not quite as efficient. They don't seat as many people as safely as we do today, right? That's so, for sure. That same metaphor and pile. They were also built better, though, so they didn't have to. But, you know, if you can take that same metaphor and overlay that onto business process, you know, so much had changed. I was dealing with clients who were saying, well, what do we do with email? What do we do with social?" What do we do with calling people on cell phones? What do we do with all this data that I have? What do I do with the fact that I can, you know, look up anybody's name and number in a heartbeat and then I can find out where they're competitively positioned and they can do the same thing with my company? How do I do all this stuff? And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, we don't talk about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it got to a certain point where there was just this lack of authenticity and I was kind of creating these things of my own in order to help these companies to succeed based upon having the purview of working with so many different companies and really understanding what works and what didn't, right? And I got to a point where I was like, well, you know, it might be time to like hang out a shingle. So my business partner, Corey Bray and I had been working, we had had the opportunity to work together on a startup and we had learned some things and we had pieced together some methodologies that we really thought made a lot of sense. And here's the funny thing, Jake, the goal, when you talk about the intention, the goal was to create a software company that would allow us to be in Bali or on an island somewhere, someone else selling the software and the cash register just ringing. And so we got a couple engineers. We did all of the things that we had seen all these companies that we worked with do. We pieced together this concept. We went out looking for money. We got underwritten to a certain extent. We found a first client or so. And then we realized in having conversations with people, they were all like, Corey Hillman, this is really interesting. But you know what? You have so much expertise on business practice and on training. Can you help train our team on this thing? So here's the funny thing. We closed two or three deals where we were over offering for free the service of consulting or training or developing process or methodology for a small price tag of purchasing the software. And then one day we're sitting there, we're like, I think we've got this backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily we didn't get too far down that path. 
And we decided, yeah. all right, let's let's pull this back. Let's get back to what we know best, which is, you know, a consulting organization. And then we started from there. And, and you know, that was what birthed some of these books where we had some real clarity around what it is that we thought was um, the best way to go about doing these things. And we thought that we had some thought leadership in this space. And, you know, the other reason behind the books, it sounds kind of obnoxious when people are like, oh, you wrote six books. Like, well, you think you're, you're that interesting? <laughs> like, you have that much to say. <laughs> and yeah. the truth of it is, is it creates a level of accountability and rigor and um, we'll, we'll call it our own personal credibility behind what it is that we're selling. We figure if we've written this thing, if we've put it out there subject to all sorts of criticism and all sorts of testing by anybody who wants to for $24, right? Then we really have to have a whole lot of conviction around this having been proven out and this having been successful. So that's the reason we do it. And that's the reason we open source it so that we get feedback and we can continue to iterate because the goal isn't to be right. The goal is to have an impact, right? Yeah, absolutely right. I love that formula and I love how you've gelled the two things together. Going back to what you said at the start there, it seemed like you pretty rapidly bust open the, the urban myth of passive income, right? You had this idea, which a lot of people do in the digital space. They think, oh, I can create this business. I can get a few people to help me with it. It'll run itself. I'll just kick back on the beach with a margarita and watch the cash roll in. Uh-uh. Unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't work out like that, does it, brother? You, you would know that. You would know that very well. <laughs> there, there is a lot. And, and we work with some companies who, from an outside perspective, it would seem as though that's what they've done. They've turned mm. the key, they now kick back, and they just let it happen. What they don't understand, what folks, most people don't understand is that there's a lot of algorithmic intelligence around how they're targeting their market. The thing that they're selling has been refined to a degree where you've got this thing called product market fit, where the people who you sell to actually are saying, don't ever take this away from me. I have to have this, right? It's not just vaporware that people are just saying, hey, I came up with something. I can find 100 or 100,000 suckers to buy it because it just doesn't work that way anymore. So it's a challenge. And the biggest challenge is in the execution. You know, it's like with any other concept or idea and even, you know, the whole idea of hustle, right? This hunger for the hustle. It's fantastic to have the hunger for the hustle and you got to have a plan. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just like pushing string or it's just a lot of activity and you're going nowhere, right? So what we like to do is help folks to kind of coalesce that plan and be able to execute on it, given some real clear steps as to how you go about it. So that if someone has the discipline, if they truly do want to be sitting on an island in three to five years and they realistically have come up with something that they're passionate about, because the goal can't be can't can't be the process right the means the means has to be the part that you're passionate about like you and i've talked about before where it's like you gotta wake up every day loving what you do because you won't be on the island tomorrow and what's interesting is (laughs) opportunity to be there you want to be in position to kind of go nah i'm kind of liking this yeah exactly right we talked about this just before we got we got we came on live right that you appear to be, and you are, I can tell with a big smile on your face every time I speak to you, you're a man who loves what he does. But, you know, how, I'd like to explore that a little bit. Has it always been that way for you? What did what, what did you do before you started this business? <laughs> how about what didn't I do before I started this business? <laughs> <laughs> My wife laughs at me. She rolled her eyes. I've done everything from selling shoes to uh, I, I managed a Chinese restaurant. Imagine walking into that restaurant. Why would you even eat there when I greet you at the door? I have no idea. But I managed a fairly successful Chinese restaurant. Um, I was a serial entrepreneur, had four or five different types of businesses with very varying levels of success. 
at the time, you know, the the, the quantification of success was was I able to pay my rent that month? You know, they able, able to find a vacation that year? These types of things. So, you know, the, the interesting thing when you think about, you know, I, I think about the title of your show, The Hunger for the Hustle. And what I've always had a hunger for is the the hustle of not so much what people call the hustle culture now, you know, the whole Gary V thing of just like do more, be better, whatever, but more around like the 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 puzzle of the hustle. You know what I mean? It's like the mind. It's like, how do I get this concept that I have? How do I get people interested in this thing, first of all? And then how do I frame it in a way where I can deliver it given what meager resources I may have? And once I've delivered it, how do I service people so that they'll introduce me to more people? Like that hustle, the mental hustle, I absolutely love. So I've had a passion for that. And I've also just had this affliction where I just don't, I, I've had jobs and I've had jobs and I've worked for people for, you know, a significant amount of time without being a total, you know, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Without totally wasting away. But yeah. I, I do have a problem with authority. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So do I. But, uh, if you're anything like me, you probably got in trouble quite a lot when you were a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, right. you share the story of selling chocolates. I had a business when I was a kid. It was called, and here's the funny thing. It was called Kidco, not, not too inventive. It said, all jobs from A to Z is what my business card said. And do you know how Amazon has that A to Z under Amazon that makes the smile? Yeah. I did that first. Oh. <laughs> Shame you didn't get trademarked. You'd have been, uh, you'd have been on the beach by now. <laughs> right, exactly. Some beach somewhere, right? But oh, my okay. company was really, what I did is I went out and I sold. I was an agent. So I had friends who liked to mow lawns. I had friends who liked to babysit. I had friends yeah. who liked, you know, painting or liked, you know, who knew, who knew what. And I sold this to, I, I lived in a, a pretty nice neighborhood. And so we had some fairly generous parents around who loved having these kids doing this stuff. And I sold the services. I took a percentage and I would send Jake out to mow a lawn and Jennifer out to babysit and whatever. And I was the sales guy, right? So the, the interesting thing though is like, you know, this stuff is just kind of in you, but it's part of like, how do I figure out this problem of I'm not getting enough allowance? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's I define the hustle by not seeing or enjoying the circumstances you have, so creating better ones, and that's exactly Absolutely. what you're doing there, right? That you're, Absolutely. you're thinking, oh, how do I get more pocket money? You know, how do I do it? You just you just find a way to earn it. So you were you were literally a facilitator there, weren't you? That's it. So you you, you know what's interesting about that, and I know it's something that you and I share in common, is that I find it fascinating that you can conceive of an idea, right? All you have to do is have the imagination of conceiving of an idea, and then you move your feet without necessarily knowing how it's going to happen. Maybe it's that you share it with somebody. Maybe it's that you do something. Maybe you research something. Maybe you find maybe you find the path, whatever it is. It comes, though, and then suddenly this problem that you thought you had is solved. And of course, you've got another problem after that. But, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it just blows me away. And mm -hmm. to this day, when, when you think about closed loop, closed loop was just a, a concept. Five years ago, you know, we're just like, huh, what if we were able to do this, that, and the other? And the thing we thought we'd be able to do isn't where we ended up today, but the thing we're doing today is serving far more people in a much more impactful way. So right. I, I just find that whole process, I'm not smart enough to know how that all works, but um, yeah. I, I'm smart enough to trust it. <laughs> yeah, and, and so am I. I mean, look, look at this podcast right here. Three months ago, this was just the title of a speech. And Absolutely. Now it's evolved into a podcast. Um, 
there's a book coming. I can tell you that. I'm going to be talking to you more about that off camera at the end. Love it. But yeah, it's it just the idea, the seed planted in the mind. Just keep watering it, keep nurturing it. And before you know it, it, it presents in real life. And, Listen, and, and then it grows. You just said the key words. It truly is before you know it. I mean, it, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're passionate about it, if you're committed to it, and if you are reiterating it, whatever means that means for you, right? Then it does truly happen before you know it. And the next thing you know, sometimes you've forgotten to be grateful for it, and you're pushing to the next thing, not realizing how far you've come from where you were <laughs> three months ago, yeah. right? So that's right. You're constantly grateful. You express a lot of gratitude for where you are and, and what you're doing, and, and you give a lot back. And I think that's so yeah. important. I think it's important too. And I think it's important to remember that it works both ways, right? So that's yeah. why you have to be careful about your thoughts because if you're consistently thinking about the things you don't want or negative things, it, it, before you know it, they're showing right up as well. So you've got to be careful. With them. Exactly. Now, you've been in business 20 years there and, and really longer than that if you look at all the other things you used to do beforehand. You're calling me old, Jake? It's <laughs> <laughs> a more direct way to say it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about some of the biggest challenges you've experienced in whilst being a business owner and operator. Oh, geez. You know, I, I here's, here's my answer to that. Um, the challenges that I've experienced as a business owner and operator are no different than the challenges that I've experienced just as a human being, like navigating the world, right? And the challenge is how much you allow, you know, this, this mind of yours to define who you are and to feed you with misinformation. <laughs> and that's not relegated just to business owners. You know, there were times I would walk into, there, there's always something, right? When I was young, I never was qualified for the job or the role I was playing. I have always like I was the guy who back in the day, like before they could check on these things, I lied on the resume, I'd get the job, I'd figure out the job over the weekend before going in and I'd just execute, 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 right? But I never was like qualified going in. But yeah. you'd have imposter syndrome. And what happens? You've got this thing in your head talking to you going, oh, Hillman, you're too young. Or you're not doing this right because you don't have the 20 years of experience. It's just in your head. It's not a fact. It's just in your head yapping at you, right? So that was an impediment. And so that would leave me to stay within my comfort zone and have the scarcity mentality of like, you got here, just be happy you're here. Don't push the envelope. I can't tell you how many times I refrained from what I guess I would now call reaching, but at the time I considered um, the arrogance of like trying to grow, right? Because of this thing in my head that was telling me, you don't deserve it, you're not worth it, you know, you didn't finish college. You, you, you know, you, you were, you, you were forced to leave home when you were really young. You didn't have some of the experiences that other people had, or you didn't know this job before you got into it. Who the heck do you think you are? This nobody, Jake, nothing external was impacting me. There are some real external challenges that happen when you're growing a business. I get that. I'm not trying to be, uh, take that away at all. But if I had had a stronger level of mental fortitude and, and, and really just had a stronger, understanding that my mind is no different than my hand, right? If I had truly understood that I am not my thoughts <laughs> and I can go, I appreciate you trying to keep me safe over here and trying to pre uh, prevent me from having levels of rejection. However, I have faith that me taking this step is the right move to make, then uh, potentially I'd be in a different situation, which is not, there, there are no regrets attached to that whatsoever. But more specifically, I guess, so, so I just wanted to state that out of the game. More specifically for your audience regarding challenges, you know, 
the the biggest challenge is to truly set aside ego. You know, uh, Ryan Holiday has a book called Ego is the Enemy, which which I think is a a great book to read um, regarding the fact that like when we and there's tons of other books about this too. There's the uh, what is the uh, it'll come to me later. I'll share it when it comes. But at any rate, the book is basically stating that if we go into things feeling personally involved or if we have an emotional investment in the outcome and we're reflecting upon what's happening personally, then we are significantly hamstrung in our opportunities for success and our opportunities to grow. So when you ask for, I mean, it takes, there are folks I know that I've walked through the process of having to talk to 60 venture capitalists before they get a million dollar investment. But you know what? That 60th one gives them the million dollar investment, right? And they were, and they deserved it at that point, not just by luck, but by the fact that 59 had turned them down so they had gotten more and more conviction, more and more articulate as to how they talk about it. And when they were ready, it came, right? So I think that I, I used to, when I was younger, since you keep pointing out my 20 year career, um, when I was younger, I had less patience, you know? Um, I wasn't looking for the right signs. I kind of had this, this comparative analysis where I'd be like, man, you know, Jake started his business six months ago and he's already driving this or doing that or doing, and who knew that like Jake was really leveraged to the hilt on his American Express card, right? But like, yeah. from my perspective, I'm doing this comparison, right? So a lot of the stuff that I would say um, that I advise entrepreneurs around or would-be entrepreneurs around is stay in your lane, work on yourself, and working on yourself allows you to be more effective working on or in your business, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I think anyone that is already in business will be able to align with what you've said. And anyone who's not, they should take notes because there's some valuable, valuable um, tips there. One thing that I, I probably want to expand on is what you said is, you know, keeping your, your personal challenges and your personal life really separate to your business. I find that's been very important for me and, and can sometimes be challenging, particularly in a space where now, you know, it's it's quite agreeable to have your profiles online and and be out there and be the face of your business across socials as well as you know actually doing the work and the back end and being the professional and and dealing with the business end of things yeah yeah it's important to keep the two separate and not not muddle or mix the two because um you're going to have some challenges sure they're going to be similar in your personal life to your business life but you have to, sometimes you're going to go through challenges in your personal life that if you let them inflict you to their full capacity could affect your business life. And you really want to keep the two separate, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know, this is just my personal opinion. And I know that there's, and this is not to suggest being inauthentic. You know, I I don't think that every person you meet, if you were to take the social world and liken it to like, you know, uh, walking through a library or walking through an office building like every person you encounter in the elevator you're not specifically sharing what happened with you last night that was this terrible frustrating thing that's got you exhausted to go to work and you don't know how you're gonna pull it together you know what i mean there's there's a certain discourse that disallows this but i think that sometimes i think that there is uh i don't know quite how to say this but uh i feel that there's a way to offer a lot of value through social channels and that you can do that authentically. And by authenticity, I think it's the difference between being like, every day is awesome. And today is awesome too. And I'm always feeling awesome. Aren't you awesome? Because that's not authentic, right? And 
I don't know how many people are interested in me, like, you know, with the phone going like, yeah, you know, it's another rough day in California. The smoke is really just telling me. It's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a personal taste thing. I would rather think like, hey, I got something that I woke up with that I think might be beneficial to you. I woke up with this thought today that when I write things down that I'm anticipating doing, they actually stick for me. And then I can revisit them. And what's really interesting is I went through my diary from two and a half years ago. And some of those things that I had conceived as ideas that I hadn't even put a throughput to are actually happening today. Are you guys writing this stuff? But like, I think that something like that is more engaging than, you know, what Hillman's had for breakfast and, and you know, that whole deal. But Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. And it, it, like you say, it's everyone's personal personal space to do what they want with right i know you you particularly okay. focus on on just one platform and that's linkedin which which seems to work pretty effectively for you and i think there's a lot can be said for that actually as to just having um one one online space one platform that you use and that's where really people can be driven to to find out about you i'll tell you the the one i'll tell you there's one word i would use for why that is for me and it's called lazy <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of work to do YouTube, yeah. Instagram, and and frankly, I there I don't fully understand them all. I hesitate to admit this, but I don't fully understand from a B two B perspective. And even like my my daughter was talking about TikTok, and like there are people who are doing business to business stuff on TikTok. I, I have no idea how that's done. It's just, it, it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. It just means it's outside of my sphere of, of aptitude. So oh, yeah. I'll hire somebody who does know how to do it and tell me like, yeah, Hillman, you got to be on that platform. Or I'm going to stick yeah. with the one that I know. Yeah, stick with what you know, right? If it's already working, just stick with it. You might be lazy, but at least you're honest, Hillman. <laughs> <laughs> they are not mutually exclusive. That's true. <laughs> I never was like, okay, hello on the side to Joanna and Eric. They are blowing up the chat, and it's nice to see you guys watching. Hey there. Now, and I know we could, we're limited to what we can reveal here, and I'm not going to reveal anything. I just want to make that clear to you. Um, but I'd, I'd like you to talk about um, some big wins you've had for the business. I know particularly some big wins that have come up lately. So the moment that really made, really affirmed to you and made you proud to be the owner and operator of Close Loop. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that that moment continues to come. So I, I don't want to put a bookmark on something and have this be, be the pinnacle of, <laughs> of closed loop opportunity. It's infinite. It's infinite. <laughs> no, there have been a bunch of wins. The new book coming out was a big deal because we actually wrote it as a parable instead of writing it as a business book where we've got some experience because we figured that as a story, it would resonate with more people, be easy to digest and be more readily applied. Um, so that's a huge win, and, and the book is uh, is on Amazon now. It's called The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. Here's an image of it. You can talk about that later if you like. Um, the We've had some huge client wins, bigger than we've ever had. Um, we're under non-disclosure agreement, so I can't talk about what they all are. But we are, you know, <clears throat> what's what's really interesting is that what, what, one of the biggest client wins we've had is that through COVID, in a business-to-business -business climate, with Companies that do not sell hand sanitizer, um, masks, or anything else that is, you know, respirators or anything else that's COVID related. We've had three companies have their best quarter ever running our methodology and our system. And this is not just best quarter of the year. This is best quarter ever. Um, to me, that's the success that we look for. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, we will only be su as successful as our clients are. 
anything else is just, you know, you can write a thousand books and people may, may not like them, but if they're not ultimately impacting the people who you're trying to impact, then yeah, you know, what's really the point? You can coach a thousand people. And if you're having conversations with people who aren't realizing their own success or realizing their goals along the way, whether they're individual or whether they're corporate, eh, right? So there, there, there have been some big uh, uh, partnerships and uh, deals that have been closed for us, which is fantastic. Ultimately, that just means we got to deliver. You know what I mean? But I think that what makes them big is that they are evidenced by successes that we've had with other people and where other people have entrusted closed loop and entrusted our team to, you know, with their livelihoods. Um, that's the most precious win that, that we can ever have. That's, that's what gets me up every day is the idea of through our business, through something that I'm passionate about, through something that I think we've developed some expertise around, I get to serve other people every day. And yeah. the days are like, I mean, truly in San Francisco today, it's like we all now are in, in touch with this air quality index. It's an air quality that you can't go outside. The sun hasn't come out all day. Sitting from home, working through Zoom. Like I was five o'clock this morning. I was like peeking out from under the covers and I'm like, do I want to do it? And then I thought about my calendar. I thought about the people that I get to talk to today. And it's teams of individuals in companies who are trying to become better and trying to perform and trying to make their dreams come true. And it's like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I want to get up today. I forgot. It's not about me. You know what I mean? That feels great. That's right. And I think that's a great shift. And, and, you know, when I was doing my research and looking at the Closed Loop website, I noticed that you are, and this really is true, you are a customer-focused and driven business. And even to the end that I noticed that you – you, you've, you've obviously had some very big clients, some Fortune 500 clients, but you've made a point of not putting their logos on there and saying that their logos aren't important. Your logo is important. That's why you're here. Your business yeah. is what we're going to be talking to you about, and that's the main focus. I think it can easily be watered down, and, and you can get and you can get kind of somewhat egotistical and boastful about you know the clients that you've served and and shout from the rooftops about them when really. You need to you need to hone in and, and speak to who you're speaking to and not speak about what you've done and what you're going to do and stay kind of present with it, I suppose. Exactly right. And, and you know, I've, I've been in situations that that is a learning. Uh, that's a lesson I've learned. You know, I've been in situations where I was working inside of a company and I'd achieved a certain level of success and kind of rested on the laurels of that. You know what I mean? And did not challenge myself to grow, did not challenge my team to do better, but was kind of like, yeah, you know, we did it. We're here. And, you know, it's cushy and it's, you know, and that stuff is fleeting, but not just from the vantage point of like how long you remain on the top of the hill. The other piece is just, it's fleeting from the standpoint of satisfaction. You know, like I'm a hungry, I, I got a hunger, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and whether that's a hunger for curiosity or a hunger for impact or a hunger for, uh, you know, whatever it might be there, there's when you're not, and I don't mean this to say that it's it's a constant chase because I do kick back and fully enjoy you know the 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 places that when we when we arrive somewhere we celebrate it right um, it, it's not a constant kind of chasing after something and there's no void there's no lack thereof it's all just more gratitude gratitude and expanse and ability to to uh, radiate but there is there's something to be said for um, having a purpose. Right. And and I think that you haven't asked this question, but one thing that I'll share with respect to starting a business is I feel that the people who I've seen be truly successful have been compelled to start their business. It's not that they've sat around and thought, what can I start to get out of this misery? It's not a, an escapist mentality. 
It's been, I really feel drawn to do this thing. You know what I mean? Um, And following that, creating the means of doing that and having enough faith to do that is, is the challenge, right? Because if you don't, and I lived this life of being in um, disharmony, where it's like I'm showing up, going to work, doing this thing that isn't what I feel like I should be doing, and I don't feel like I'm making the contribution, or I don't feel like I'm growing, I don't feel like whatever. And, you know, that's not, that's not a recipe for, for a healthy outcome. <clears throat> It's not. You spend an awful lot of time in your work, in your business, in your professional life, and if ultimately, if you're not happy in that space, it's going to spill over into the rest of your life. And before right. you know it, if you're not careful, you can end up in, in a place that's deeply, deeply unhappy. I've been so, there. Yeah, I've been there too, bro. I've been there too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm yeah. not there now. Thank God. <laughs> we got to have the, the peace of mind that some of the audience might be there, you know, uh, and yeah. coming from a space that we've both been there, it's, it's easy. It's not easy. So I was going to say it's easy to get out of it. It's not easy to get out of it. But once you just have to get started, if you've got an idea, act on it while it's hot, look look to the people around you, see, so you can help you to get it going and just get moving with it. You know, there'll be a, you, you, like you just said, like you said earlier in the call, 20 years of your business has flown by and time really yeah. does fly by. Once you've get, got going with an idea, and again, like you said, you write things down, you know, you write goals down, you look back at them two, three years later and you're like, wow, that, that's actually, that's actually manifest. Now it's, it's here, it's happening. And, and sometimes all it needs is a little bit of, a little bit of sprinkle, you know, a little, the, the little, Thing written down to start with before it to plant the seed you, you know what else is interesting um i love that i i, I completely appreciate um folks who may be there now and you know there before the grace of god go i it doesn't take much to get back there again um you have to have you have to have a practice you have to have a habit you have to understand yourself and here's something i've learned for me personally i have to trick myself when i was telling you about the mind thing right i can't lead with that I have to go to my subconscious subconscious, and trick myself. I'll give you an example. I really, all my life, I've heard that these, you know, fantastic creative people, very um, people who I know that seem to live a a peaceful existence, that seem to just have harmony in their lives, that just all this stuff. The common denominator that I had observed at that time was that they all meditated. They all had this meditative practice. And so what does Hillman Mind start to do? I'm like, I'm going to go get meditating for dummies. I'm going to go get the Zen and the art of meditation. I had, I had every, I have them. They're in the other room, right? All these I books. Of, existed. Right? This is, this yeah. is how my mind works. Right? So I'm like, I'm going to learn about it, I'm gonna master it, and then I'm going to apply it. And so I do all of this, right? And so then I like meditate for one day, and I get like three minutes in, I'm kind of looking around, and I'm like, yeah. you know, this is not to come in, whatever. I start getting frustrated, and I leave it alone. So here's, here's what I had to do to my mind. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, I'm not doing any of that. I got my own way of doing stuff, right? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to meditate today for one minute, right? Yep. I just sit and I do one minute. And then I write in my journal, tomorrow I will meditate for one minute and 30 seconds. The next day I do it for a minute and 30 seconds. But here's the thing. You get this culture of success. It's much better than being like, oh, I was supposed to meditate today and I was supposed to do 30 minutes and I only did three, right? No, make three a success. Right? Yeah. And you can get past And man, I stuck at 10 minutes for probably three months, you know, yeah. but you know what? Every day I did 10 minutes, right? So if yeah. you're able to kind of understand how your mind works and how you build this culture of success, as opposed to this 
punitive culture where it feels like I used to feel like, God, like the sunlight is so high above this hole that I've dug for myself that I'm just going to lay in the hole because I don't know how the hell I'm going to climb out rather than being like, okay, I can't get out today, but you know what? I can get an inch closer, right? This is where I'm saying to you that that patience piece, there's mm-hmm. something to it and there's something to really undergoing a process. This is the same process. I lost 52 pounds over the course of the last five years. Five years, though, not five months, intentionally, because I wanted to do it in a way that was sustainable, was healthy, wasn't going to put myself in a position of ups and downs and ups and downs and success and failure, success and failure, because I know that I just got to do the steady climb, man. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So one of the keys is just, this is why I said, you got to know yourself to be able to apply yourself to a business and you got to know yourself to just be able to apply yourself to life. And we all have different ways in which we motivate ourselves. And if we spend some time and energy on that, if that becomes the hustle, right? Mm-hmm. If it becomes the hustle of your humanity, then that actually bears fruit in every aspect of your life. Great words. And I love that analogy about being stuck in the hole. And it is, it's, it's baby steps to success, right? I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that as well. You know, just if you start off with the real most simplistic mode, and that was a great example you gave there with meditation. I meditate, I must admit, I don't do it every day, but I do it more days than most. And that keeps there you me, go. There keeps, you me go. Balanced, keeps me balanced, right? And I'd be interested to know actually on meditation, do you do you just do it completely silent? Do you have any kind of music or any kind of guide? It's so funny that you asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> so because I also believe in like the theory of marginal gains, right? Which is like you do 1% better, you know, over in, in aggregate, that ends up being a significant amount of improvement, right? So I'm, yeah. I, one of, to a fault, I'm always trying to improve. So the way I did finally latch onto it was with a mantra in my head, not, not a company. But dude, Jake, like I told you, I had every book, man. I tried everything. I tried everything from chanting out loud to, there's some great, there's some awesome meditative tracks on YouTube. I did yeah, the I you. yeah, yeah. absolute silence. I did a candle in the room. I did yeah. just like a, a soft gaze. Dude, I've done it all. I did, I went. I really <laughs> you really have done it all. I'll tell you one more. There is one person who has gone out there and deconstructed Transcendental, which they typically teach you how to do because you get a special mantra and there's a whole way that you're supposed to do it. Deconstructed yeah. it and actually posted it on Google. I went to yeah. find that and I'm like, these people, all these actors and all these famous people paid $1,500 to learn this transcendental meditation. I had to figure that one out. So I tried that yeah. one. Here. So it's the thing is though, <laughs> the thing that I think I've finally come to realize is that whatever you believe in, whether it's God, universe, divine energy, who knows, right? Whatever, whatever your construct might be was not so rigorous as to say there is one path. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you don't find that path, you're screwed for life. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> what it takes, I believe, this is just Hillman's belief system, right? Is you not using the mind to solve the problem of, not even to suggest that it's a problem, not using the mind to try to control and drive the outcome, but instead finding your silence, whatever that means. That could be baking. You know, my yeah. wife wants to cook. Yeah. She's in there cooking. She is in a meditative zone I have yet to achieve. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. wherever, however yeah. it is, you know when you've sunk past the day, when you've sunk past the swiping, when you've sunk past the, you know, over here we got these debates and things happening all day long, whatever. When you've sunken down or risen above, whatever your metaphor is, all of that, you know, because something comes over you that's a little more centered. And when you 
figure out how you get to that and how you can achieve that on a regular basis and start listening to that voice, then then you've really latched onto something. Yeah, I agree. And it can be anything, right? I've got a friend who his meditation is to go out mountain bike riding. That's his, that's where he gets his, that's where Absolutely. he gets his walk bike. Great, great philosophers used to take walks because yeah. the motion of the body like catalyzes something that allows yeah. the mind to go to a different space. Absolutely. Yeah. The word is meditation, right? But it encompasses a whole thing. And what that thing is, is having some quiet time for yourself, usually by yourself, I find as well, really. Yeah. That's away from all distractions. That's away from all the screens. That's away from all the noise and 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 really, in fact, the hustle and the bustle of life. It's it's important to just have that quiet time. Hey, you may have to change the name of this con this this uh, uh, podcast to a passion for the peace. <laughs> well, that's more, more, that's what we'll call this episode: passion for the peace. Slash three. <laughs> 23 slash three. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell, tell me, Hillman, and, and this 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 is always an interesting question. If you imagine you had to start closed loop all over again tomorrow, God forbid, what would you do differently? Well, I, I would not do the software company, but I'm I'm assuming what you mean is is from what I like where where I am, like how would I do it to to, to get to yeah. What would I do differently? These are the questions a lot that might people think. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think what I would do differently is I would go for bigger fish earlier. Mm. There was, I had a certain, um, uh, again, I had a mindset that even with all of this experience and even with something that I was certain worked, I needed to start really small first and then grow it out. And what I've come to realize is almost like a bicycle. It is more difficult to ride a bicycle that's not moving fast, right? right. So what was more difficult was working with startups that had a thousand problems, <laughs> but had nothing, some of them had nothing to do with sales or revenue. It was like, oh, the product works or doesn't work, or the founder is really young and, and knows nothing about business, or the venture capitalists are really exciting and need them to do. Like there's just so much there that it, it was a false premise that working with a smaller company would give us a chance to better road test some of these theories that we had. What we should have done was go to bigger companies in a division where everything else is working great and then yeah. put a little oil on something so it goes a little faster. I think, yeah. that, I think that growth would have happened more quickly and not just growth, we would have experienced more, um, more useful learnings earlier. And we did, yeah. Yeah, so go for the bigger fish first. Yeah, I give that for everybody all the time. Like that's not, but you know, there's nothing no. wrong with that. No, it's specific to you though, right? That's like yeah. your answer. And it's every, yeah, every for us. I don't know that that would be the advice I'd give, but that's for no. I would take. Well, yeah. well, we'll we'll move we'll move on from that because you've you've given a lot of hot tips throughout throughout the interview today. But perhaps if you could give three real hot tips that stand out to you prominently to someone that's watching that's thinking about starting their own business thinking about turning their passion into their paycheck okay given what you just said uh, i can't tell you how many people come to me with i'm using this as a metaphor and the story is something like um my family thinks i make great this is not true i'm using this as a metaphor right my family thinks that my brownies are the best brownies in the world i want to start a brownie company hmm. right um, the first thing you've got to do is get past the echo chamber of everybody who loves you. 
and truly identify whether this thing that you want to start is marketable, is, is, um, has an audience outside of the people who may not be giving you, may not be seeing you through, through, um, the most objective lens, right? Mm. There are lots of times people come to us and say like, you know, oh, I've got this great idea and other people think it's great. And I'm like, well, who are these other people? And I'm like, well, my cousin, my aunt and my nephew and you know, the son who I loaned $15,000 to for college things. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you need a little more objectivity here, right? So that's one of the first things I say. And, and that's not to say that if you get any, there, there are tons of companies and tons of products that succeeded, I mean, succeeded immensely without a whole lot of market receptivity. But just go and do this for two reasons. I actually just gave this advice to a former client who just started a company too. Um, do this for two reasons. One, you gotta test your own conviction because it's not gonna be easy. So if all you're hearing is yes, 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 and you're in the bubble in the echo chamber of yes, that feels great until someone tells you no, and you may have done a ton of work until that no and not be able to take it. Go get no's early and come back and go, you know, Hillman's crazy. He gave some good feedback, but he doesn't know. I'm gonna go talk to Jake. And like, if you still feel it, that's what'll get you up on the days that are hard. It's easy yeah. to get up on the days that are bright and sunny, right? On the days that are hard, you gotta get pissed past that. So I guess that's one tip. A second tip um, for someone starting or running a business, a second tip would be to think about, <clears throat> instead of thinking about, one thing that we coach around is, uh, there, there's a great book that's called Crossing the Chasm which basically talks about the fact that for any business to catch hold, you have folks who are going to be early adopters. These are the people who are going to buy your product, buy your service early on, which allow you to then bridge the gap to building a company that's big enough that's got some, some other people to buy. And these, this group of people are very different than the group who buy once something's proven out, right? So if you think about it, like there are, I'll give you the, oh, it's not sitting here. There's this device that, uh, that, that I just bought, bought recently that's, um, it, it helps measure your carbs and your fat just through exhaling, right? You exhale into oh. this, it goes into your phone, measures it for you, lets you know okay. yeah. what your day's, day's uh, 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 macros should look like for the day, right? Which yeah, is right. great. I'm an early adopter. This thing is brand new. The software half works, half doesn't work. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's helping me achieve some goals around fitness that I want to achieve, right? Uh -huh. Is it ready for the mass market? Not yet, but mm -hmm. they targeted me. And so understanding who your target is today, as opposed yeah. to the thing that you aspire to later on is really key, right? Yeah. And then the third thing is, you know, don't over plan. Take what comes. If you truly have passion around it, like if we had been dogmatic about being a software company, I'd be broken out of business and sitting there somewhere dejected going, it sucked and the whole industry sucks. And like, I'm never gonna try it again. My dream went down, went down the drain. Whereas what happened in fact was I had a concept, had an idea, had a thought process, listened to a whole lot of feedback, and ended up in a place that truthfully is better for me than than, than where I, where I intended to use your word, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those, yeah, those are the events that come to mind. Yeah, no, great tips, and you have always got to be flexible in business. The path the path cannot be too rigid because if it is, then your your mind is closed to the other opportunities that are going to come your way. And as right. you and I know, as 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 um, opportunities will often come to you in various forms, often presented as obstacles and challenges. And if your mind's closed down to just seeing that as an obstacle or a challenge and not converting it to an opportunity, but yeah. particularly in times like this with the virus going on, there's a lot of opportunities out there, I believe. I agree. I agree. Now, I know you have a new book. I do. So, 
Uh, my next question was going to be, do you have a book recommendation? Now, I think... Tell us about the new book, The Five Secrets of the Sales Coach. I'll tell you about the, the Five Secrets of a Sales Coach, and, and I, won't, I won't make that my book recommendation because that's a little too okay. self but the, <laughs> the book is on Amazon, The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. Um, it's, you know, the, it is a parable. So it's written as a story of a guy named Arlo, who is a sales manager at a company. And he just wants to be one of the best sales managers ever. And he realizes that there are lots of ways to get there, but that one of the critical areas where a lot of people don't get a lot of training is in becoming a sales coach. And coach is ac actually an acronym, which stands for identifying the challenge, outlining the path to uh, success, creating an action plan. Um, developing the consequences so that you know what those are and then holding yourself accountable. So the, the coach methodology is something that we've rolled out to tons of uh, technology companies and they have managers who are doing this with their teams. It's also something that you can do personally. It's, it's uh, the way in which I go about identifying a goal and then going after it. Right. Um, so yeah, ho hopefully that, that book could benefit some folks. Again, the five secrets of a sales coach. It's on Amazon um, book recommendation though. I'm trying to look over here to see what it is that I'm reading right now. Um, oh, there's so many good books. You know, I'll <laughs> tell you, uh, there's a book called Long Story Short. I've heard. This is not the first time I've heard about this book. Is that right? So I've not read it. Something that I'm really into right now is um, the fact that people learn through story and whether you're just in conversation, whether you're leveraging it as an entrepreneur, whether you're doing this as a manager, whether you're talking to your kids, whether you happen to be on a podcast with Jake Fowler, whatever it might be, story is captivating, right? Yeah. And we all have stories. And sometimes we, we, we don't know that our story is impactful to someone else. And this doesn't have to be like a life-changing story. It could just be something that you're sharing. And getting more proficient at storytelling, I think, is something that is really impactful for individuals. I think it creates confidence. I think it also creates a certain kind of personal competence in understanding, you know, who am I? How, how did I become this person? And when you do a little inventory and you think back to like, Oh, yeah, I had Kitco when I was nine years old. Doesn't ease it for my friend. No wonder I'm out here, like, selling sales training to people. Are you kidding me? I've been doing this my whole life. Like, there's yeah. something that locks into sync. You know, I, I this is something that happened for me. And, and I don't, I don't want to take too much time, but I just got to share this, that I feel as though, like, from zero to about maybe 10 years old, I clearly knew who the heck I was. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was, like, brazenly me. Right. And then, you know, circumstances, life things and puberty and whatever else, like from 10 to 25, I lost complete sight of who that person was. And then 25 to 35, I meandered around trying to get it back, trying too hard, stuck with uh, a backpack full of junk in it, trying to figure things out, you know, and, and, and in the hole. Right. You know, in, in more ways than one. <laughs> and then I feel like now I've climbed out a bit. And I'm back to my 10 year old self, you know, yeah. like it's, and it's, it's, I don't know if everybody takes that kind of a path, but what's interesting is having read this book recently and identifying these stories and why these are my stories. And this is not to say that your life is your story or that you are the trauma you've endured or anything like that, but just that these stories kind of have connective tissue. I find it really illuminating to go like, wow, that little guy was doing that thing. That's right. And I'm still that same person. Let me share this thing. You know what I mean? There's just something very, yeah comforting in that.
familiar. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to everyone goes through that, right? It's the paradigms, you know. It's the yeah. paradigm that you're born with. You know, you want to do the certain things you learn that that um they're already programmed into you genetically and then there's other things that you that you learn along the way yes yeah? so you came into the world you knew what you wanted to do then you got to 10 years old you learned a load of other outside stuff that threw you way off and then you had to get yourself back <laughs> when you started right <laughs> yeah, yeah, so exactly paradigm and awareness of them right because you could have gone through from 25 to 45 and still been still been lost still been in the in the various holes you found yourself in absolutely if you have that awareness of of your mindset how to change it and then how to make that bring bring the things one be the person that you want to be and two bring yeah. the things that you want into your life now as we close and, and this is often the most fun part of the interview i'm right. just going to get some rapid fire questions some of them some of them are going to be yes and no. Some of them are going to be pretty revealing. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Do you believe in aliens? Do I believe in aliens? Well, I, I, I take offense to that question. That's like asking me if I believe in Australians, Americans, or... <laughs> Great. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it's a question. What uh, is your fear, Hillman? What is my fear? Yeah. You know... I, I'm going to give you the first answer that comes to mind, which is um, uh, Roosevelt's answer, which is that I believe that the only thing I have to fear is fear itself. And I don't mean that to sound brazen or like a whole bunch of bravado, but um, I check myself when, when I'm afraid of something. And, and, and I realize, you know, a lot of times that's that thing that I mentioned earlier, which is just my mind spinning up all kinds of imaginary monsters and uh, I also have to say I'm going to walk down the dark alley you know in in, in some neighborhoods of, of San Francisco in the middle of the night but you know yeah 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 I got you I got you what's the number one thing that makes you what's my, what makes you happy what makes me happy waking up next to my wife every day beautiful beautiful yeah if you were stuck on a desert island what are the three things that you would need Hillman I'm stuck on a desert island, not a deserted island. If you were stuck, <laughs> I need to reword the question. If you <laughs> found yourself stuck on a desert island, what, what are the three things you would need? I would need my wife. Since it's not deserted, I'm bringing her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would need, uh, I would need a hairdryer. And I would need a. I love how you're looking so seriously. <laughs> I'm confused. You don't have any hair. What do you need a hairdryer for? I, I want a hair. I want my wife a hairdryer and a uh, cheetah print thong. <laughs> because okay, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I get the cheetah print thong. I get the wife. I don't get the hairdryer. You've got no hair, dude. Please explain. Exactly right. So my my concept would be that the futility of actually thinking that I need things. I could look over at the hairdryer and first of all, be like, I can't plug it in anywhere, right? I have no hair anyway. So every morning I would wake up, look at that and just laugh and go, who needs things? Like, this is just silly. I'm gonna put on my leopard skin thong, drive my wife nuts and dive into the water. <laughs> well, uh, There's a visual for you too. You can't unsee that picture, just so you know. No one's unsaying that. No one's unsaying <laughs> that. 
Ilman, I've had so much fun with you today. Thank you for giving me your time and energy on the show. It's been jam-packed with energy, jam-packed with laughs, and I'm sure me and you have enjoyed it, and I hope everyone that's watching has as well. I really I, I really appreciate you having me here. I respect so much your journey and, and what it is that you're doing, Jake, and um, I appreciate the opportunity. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right, that's all from us, folks. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Hillman, what are you going to do with the rest of your day? Now is dinner time. I'm going to go yeah. have dinner and then uh, grab a book, kick back, and relax. Sounds fantastic. Enjoy the book. Enjoy your dinner. Uh, and stay, stay online here. I just want to chat to you quickly off camera. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Uh, bye, everyone.